the, today's Bible reading is from Acts chapter 8, verses 1 to 8. The church prosecuted and scattered. On that day, a great persecution broke out against the church in Jerusalem, and all except the apostles were scattered throughout Judea and Samaria. Godly men buried Stephen and mourned deeply for him, but Saul began to destroy them. the church. Going from house to house, he dragged off both men and women and put them in prison. Philip and Samaria. Those who had been scattered and preached, to, preached the word when it, wherever they went. Philip went down to a city in Samaria and proclaimed the Messiah there. When the crowds heard Philip and saw the signs he performed, they all paid close attention to what he said. For with shrieks and impure spirits came out of many, and many who were paralysed or lame were healed. So there was great joy in that city. Okay, wonderful. Thank you, Miller. I wonder, have you ever noticed that sometimes God's ways of achieving his promises aren't kind of the same way we do it, if we're God? Have you noticed that? They kind of sometimes surprise us a bit, don't they? Sometimes, even in a bit of an uncomfortable, be careful what you pray for kind of way. You know, the old, here I am, Lord, send me. And uh, pretty soon things get a little bit hot under the collar, don't they? Some of you may have heard of uh, Torben Sondergaard from Denmark. He's a pretty vibrant, fiery kind of street preacher and evangelist. One of those fellows who gets out on the street and, and prays for people's healing and then shares Jesus with them and baptises them and, and, and does, does things like that. Uh, he was, in the last few years, has been faced with a bit of a campaign in his home country from a, a, a secular atheist society that branded him as dangerous and facing persecution and possible arrest in his home country of Denmark he actually fled to America to seek asylum. Fancy that, running from Denmark and seeking asylum in America. I bet when he began evangelising in Denmark, he wasn't expecting that to be the outcome. He wasn't expecting to ever face the sort of persecution that would see him leaving his home country in Europe. Here's where things get even weirder, though. Upon continuing his ministry in America, uh, and recently, in the last uh, month or so, a month or two, conducting a Bible mission down into Mexico, he was then subsequently arrested by the American Homeland Security on arms smuggling charges. And he is currently, at the moment, being held in prison uh, they won't release him on, on a bail or on a bond. He doesn't know how long he'll be there. Um, and he's just awaiting a court case. And of course, he's seeing opportunities, as you could imagine, in jail to evangelise and, and to witness. Uh, but it certainly is a difficult and testing and hard experience for him. And I can imagine that he would never have thought that in fleeing to America for asylum, 
uh, and by evangelising in this Christian nation that it would lead to his imprisonment on arms smuggling charges. But he's trusting God and he's trusting that God will continue to be faithful despite the trials and the persecution and that God will continue to outwork his purpose and his plan. And as we heard from Miller today, today's passage is all about believers being forced to flee their homeland and to seek refuge in other places because of persecution. Uh, but in doing so, what did they do? They took the gospel with them. And so despite the persecution, God's plans and purposes continue to unfold. Acts 1.8, um, God's promise or plan that he gave at the beginning there, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you and you'll be my witnesses in Jerusalem, in Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. And so the question is, how do we see this play out? Initially, of course, it's all very exciting, isn't it? But as I said last week, here in Acts chapter 8, we've got this pivot point. Initially, all the witnessing and the evangelising and the telling about Jesus was happening in where? Where was it happening? Jerusalem, wasn't it? But, but now we see the gospel start to spread outside Jerusalem. And so from now on, we see it spread into Judea and Samaria and onward. And... Um, the way the, the gospel now spreads has also changed. So initially, yeah, there were a few threats here and there and a little bit of minor conflict. Um, but now we've got quite a major change in the situation. There's some quite major persecution that is happening. And of course, we see Saul enter the situation here now. And he's a key figure, isn't he, in the persecution of the believers. Now, we're told that the persecution is not just any old persecution. Ah, we can all deal with, you know, normal persecution, maybe. Uh, we're told that it's severe. It's severe persecution. And so the emphasis is that this is extraordinary persecution. This is intense persecution. This isn't just a little bit of subtle resistance from a, a, a secular culture who might pop the occasional nasty, you know, news article or something on on your ABC News app or something. This is severe, intense persecution. Uh, the believers are under threat and they're on the, on the run. And it says that Saul is ravaging the church. It's kind of a violent word, isn't it? He's ravaging the church. He's, he's, he's wrecking violent havoc. He's, he's tearing the church apart, kind of like member by member and limb by limb and he drags them off to prison, both men and women. And so in verse 1, we see that. That day, a severe persecution began against the church in Jerusalem, and all except the apostles were scattered throughout the countryside of Judea and Samaria. So do you remember the gospel's going to go from Jerusalem to where? Judea and Samaria. So what are we starting to see happening here? The believers are scattered throughout the countryside of Judea and Samaria. And if you're observant there, you'll notice that it was everyone except the apostles. Everyone except the apostles. Now, if up until this point you'd been thinking, hey, you know, the mission of spreading the good news about Jesus 
it's kind of really only for the leaders, you know, like the hot shots, the ones who are fully equipped and fully trained. It's just for them. Um, it's, you know, for the apostles, it's their job. It's not really for the everyday me kind of believer. Now, if you had been thinking that up until this point, well, I'm sorry, because now the situation changes. And now it's, the apostles are staying in Jerusalem and guess who heads out and does the preaching? Everyone else. All the ordinary, all the ordinary Christians. But the good news is, you know that an ordinary believer who's filled with the Holy Spirit becomes what? Extraordinary, don't they? And so if you are filled with the Spirit, are you an ordinary believer? You're an extraordinary believer. Don't, don't make me get you to say that to each other. Please look like you've taken that on board. You look like you don't believe me. Hey? This is Christian 101, you're filled with the Spirit. <laughs> well done, Jen. <laughs> All right. Verse 4. Now those who were scattered went from place to place proclaiming the word. This word scattered, this is an awesome word. All right, this is an awesome word. It's actually a word related to the scattering of seed. You know, in Bible times, you remember those flannel graphs from Sunday school, those little coloured in pictures where the sower would, you know, he'd have the pouch, he'd grab the seed and he'd, he'd toss the seed out, sowing the seed, scattering it everywhere, all right? So you've got that image in your head, all right? And so this farmer, he's, he's planting a crop for future harvest, isn't he? As he scatters the seed. So that, so that word, scattering seed, is the word spirion. I'm not even going to try and say that right. I'm just going to make it up, spirio, okay? S-P-E-R-I-O. Look it up later, find out how to pronounce it later. But it means to, the, the farmer sowing seed, all right? It's scattering across the ground. Now, the word used here in verse 4, now those who were scattered, that word is diaspirio, D-I-A-S-P-E-R-I-O, all right? So it's, it's a related word. And, and so it means to cause a group of, um, say, people to disperse or scatter. So if you've got that imagery in your mind, and, and of course, what I'm reminded of here is things like the parable of the sower, four types of soil that the farmer is scattering the seed. And what's the seed? It's the word of God, isn't it? Or there's the parable where the enemy sows seeds um, of weeds amongst the seeds of wheat. All right, or there's the parable of the mustard seed that's sown. I actually, I mentioned that one before, didn't I? The kingdom of God is like a mustard seed that's, that's sown in the field. Or even in the Gospel of John, Jesus talks about this idea of sowing and reaping in relation to God's kingdom work. And of course, this is a beautiful metaphor, isn't it? The church is being scattered here in the same way that seed is scattered on the ground to be planted. But of course, it's more than a metaphor. It's, it's, it's literal truth. Because the church who carry the seeds of the word of God, uh, of the kingdom of God, they're being scattered abroad, they're being sown widely from place to place, and where they land, the word of God is planted. And we're the same. 
We are the seeds of God's word and we are scattered and we are sown into different soils. So you're sown into the soil of, of different families. You're sown into different workplaces. You're, you're sown into different sporting groups or different friendship net, networks. Or maybe if you do a missions trip, you're sown into other nations. Um, you have been planted. And it might feel a bit random to you, but it's not to God. Now, I remember when we moved here to Coolerman, like we, we weren't planning on moving here. It was, it was really not what we'd anticipated. And it very much felt like we had been, you know, tossed here. And it felt a bit random to be planted here. But it wasn't random, was it? It was God's plans. And where he plants his people, what happens? The word of God grows. What if everywhere, what if everywhere I went, what if everywhere you went, and we carried with us, went with us this, this diaspora awareness, this this awareness that we are being scattered and sown. You know, we carry the, the word of God, we carry the truth of Jesus. And, and what if we were to think, where can I deposit this word, this truth today? What if we went about our daily life with that sort of attitude? Just the other week, we had an unexpected visit to the mechanic anticipated visits to the mechanic are okay because they're for scheduled services and you're pretty sure you probably won't have too many surprises and, and you've planned your life around it. But it's the unexpected visits to the mechanic that, ah, oh, they make me a bit grumpy actually. The car wouldn't um, stop. Whoever, whoever's heard of that? Like normally when you have a problem with your car, it won't start. Our car could start, it just couldn't stop. It just keep running, you press the button, Nothing's happening. Um, so we had to have an unexpected trip to the Kia dealer. Now, I'd been sick. I'd just been recovering from being unwell. Um, and this trip to Kia messed up my plans for the day. And I thought, this might mess up my plans for the week. This possibly might mess up my plans for a long time, depending on what's wrong with my car. And so I was feeling sick and grumpy and a little bit annoyed, I must confess. And uh, so I kind of went in there with this, look of fire in my eyes, <laughs> this look of you'd better give me good service right now otherwise I'm going to ask to speak to the manager kind of look, all right. But what if I'd gone into that workplace, that, that unexpected situation thinking, wow, Lord, I'm, I'm being scattered and sown today. I'm carrying the word of God and, and I'm carrying the presence of Jesus into this workplace, into this Kia dealership that's full of people and it's unexpected and it's unplanned, but Lord, maybe you want to use me to sow your word here today. I mean, that's, that's a hugely different way to approach our unexpected situations, isn't it? But, but instead, of, instead of that, I'm just wanting to sow me and my grumpiness instead of wanting to sow Jesus. So I think the key point for us today is, is when we're in those unexpected situations of trouble, let's, let's 
just consider it an opportunity to, to be scattered and sown. Because, of course, where the word is planted, it grows. Do you believe that? Where the word is planted, it grows. Have a listen to verse 4. Now, those who were scattered went from place to place, proclaiming the word. Philip went down to the city of Samaria and proclaimed the Messiah to them. The crowds with one accord listened eagerly to what was said by Philip, hearing and seeing the signs that he did. For unclean spirits, crying with loud shrieks, came out of many who were possessed, and many others who were paralysed or lame were cured. So there was great joy in the city. And then I'm just going to jump down to verse 14 and keep reading. Now when the apostles at Jerusalem heard that Samaria had accepted the word of God, they sent Peter and John to them. The two went down and prayed for them that they might receive the Holy Spirit, for as yet the Spirit had not come upon any of them. They had only been baptised in the name of the Lord Jesus. So what has happened in, in those villages, in those places where the word of God, where the truth about the Messiah is shared by, by everyday ordinary or extraordinary believers? What happens? Well, they receive the word of God, don't they? The word that was scattered and planted, it grows. People accept the word, they come to faith in Jesus, they are baptised and they receive the Holy Spirit. And so I think the key point for us to take away from this is that what the enemy means for evil, God uses for good, doesn't he? What the enemy means for evil, God uses for good. In persecuting the believers, the enemy, and, and specifically the enemy here is Saul, but obviously there is uh, the, uh, the, the enemy, Satan, in, in working in there behind the scenes. He's wanting to see people driven from their homes, their work, their livelihoods, their possessions. He's wanting to see the church ravaged and ruined and destroyed. He's wanting to see believers uh, dragged off to prison and to suffer. But what happens instead? Crowds of people who haven't yet heard the gospel are, are listening eagerly in agreement uh, with what they hear. There's miracles happening. People get healed. People get set free uh, from oppression. And there is great joy in the city. And I would say for, Paul, for Saul, for the enemy, that is a pretty big fail. It's a pretty big fail right there. What if for us, when we experience hardship, we could think, you know what, the enemy might mean this for, for evil, but God, you can use this for good. I wonder what situations are you experiencing in your life right now that you need to think differently about? That you need to think differently about? When we're in unexpected situations or trouble, let's consider it an opportunity to be scattered and sown. Because what the enemy means for evil, God uses for good. And so the challenge is, what if we keep, uh, will we keep faithfully sowing ourselves the word of God in the midst of our daily struggles, of the enemy attack, of unexpected seasons of disappointment and trouble? Will we keep faithfully sowing ourselves in those situations. I've got here a picture 
and this is the Ukraine winter wheat planted area and you can see there there's um, some shading that shows where some of the conflict has happened. So the, the red shading there shows where the conflict has been happening and our green sections are areas where wheat has been planted. Um, and so despite, despite the war, farmers have continued to sow their, their spring wheat crop. Uh, there's a bit less planted than usual, for those that are interested, 25% less. Um, but, uh, but nonetheless, they've still planted their, their, their wheat crop despite, despite the war, despite the Russian artillery, despite the troops, despite the death, despite the, the, the complete breakdown in everything that is normal in their lives. The farmers have kept sowing their seeds because they knew that if they don't sow now, there won't be a harvest later, will there? So for us, as, as people living in this broken world, it can sometimes feel like there is an unseen war or battle that you face every day. The reality is there is an unseen moral battle that we face. It, a, a spiritual, cultural, political, sinful forces, they do come against us as God's people, as the church. We are redeemed people, but we are living in a fallen, broken world. But if we stop sowing and planting the word of God, there won't be a harvest. So church, we, we can't let this this stuff that comes against us. We can't let this stuff that it discourages us. We can't let this stuff that gets us busy or tired or disappointed. We can't let, us, let it stop us planting the seed of the word of God. You know, the encouraging truth here is, is that a, a seed of wheat planted in the Ukraine ground in, in, the, in the war and in the difficulty of 2022, it's going to grow in just the same way as a seed of wheat did back in 2021 when there was peace. And so, so whatever cultural or spiritual atmosphere the word of God is planted in, it's going to, it's going to grow. It's going to grow. There will be a harvest. Those seeds you plant, your family's life, your workplace, there will be a harvest. The only way there can't be a harvest is if there is no planting. So persecutions, whether they're, they're big ones or whether they're just little everyday kind of problems that we face, they don't stop God's kingdom advancing. His word will still grow despite persecution and despite problems. You might uh, come to mind, uh, you might be thinking of the verse from Isaiah 55, verse 11. It says, So it is my word that goes out from my mouth. It will not return to me empty, but will accomplish what I desire and achieve the purpose for which I sent it. Persecution has never stopped God's promises or plans. Some of you might be familiar with the ministry of Heidi and Roland Baker in Mozambique. Of course, Mozambique is a place of significant war and conflict and trauma. 
that uh, the, the people face there, the, the problems and the difficulties that people of that nation face are huge. I sort of show to you a quick one minute video from Heidi Baker just sharing about uh, some of the, the, the difficulties but some of what their ministry does in that place. And you're going to hear we're still in a war zone. You're seeing, you're hearing these helicopters overhead. There are three or four guys out the door with machine guns. So this is a trying time, but at the same time, it's a beautiful time. It's a beautiful, beautiful time. As you know, the violence and terror in Cabo Delgado has not gotten better. It actually has deteriorated in many parts of the province. We just experienced another wave of people fleeing their villages and arriving in Pemba seeking safety, desperate for refuge and hope. I'm reminded of mine and Rollins' early days in southern Mozambique just after the brutal civil war had ended. It was chaos. People were traumatized and the sense of hopelessness was palpable. With each person we stopped for and shared the love of Jesus with, we saw the light breaking through to revive and renew lives. In the middle of this current crisis, we hold on to the testimony of those days, knowing we are witnesses to the God who is the same yesterday, today, and forever. Okay, so d despite the war and the conflict and the trauma, despite the persecution, God's word is being preached. People are encountering the life-changing, transforming, healing love and hope of God. His word is fruitful. And Heidi and her husband, Roland, they, they answer the call of God to be planted in this very unfamiliar culture and country in this very extreme circumstance. And we're not all called to that. Some of us are called to, to big ministries like that. Some of us are called to other things. And it's not so much about whether you're called to something big or something little. It's about responding to that call that is upon your life. And if your call is to, you know, I think, for example, when we're running mainly music, uh, the role of some people in the team was to prepare the morning tea, to serve the tea and coffee, and, and I can tell you that was probably the, the, one of the most significant parts of that mainly music ministry, the, the giving people a tea and a coffee. The ministry couldn't have happened without it. And, and so this is not about you know, whether you're called to something grand and huge. It's just about being faithful to that, that call that he has put on your life to serve and to bring the word of God in whatever way um, he asks us to do. And how beautiful it is that we can do it together as a team, as a, as a church. Uh, but for, for Heidi and Roland, they were, they were called out into this very unfamiliar place from America to Mozambique, a whole new, con a whole new culture, a whole new language, a whole new uh, way of living. Um, and there have been extreme difficulties for them. But here's what I, I firmly believe. Where there is extreme trial, I really believe that there is extreme fruitfulness and blessing on the other side of that trial. And so the second challenge for us today is, are you willing to be planted 
in unfamiliar places. The believers in our passage today were driven out from their familiar home environment with their familiar people and their, you know, their familiar lifestyle, I guess, from, from Jerusalem. And they were driven out to, to Samaria. I mean, Samaria were traditionally seen by the Jewish people as kind of infidels. They were the enemy of the Jewish people. And of course, in New Testament times, I think it's important to realise that travel was a rare thing. Um, people often were born, lived and died in the same geographical area. Uh, it's not like today where we up and leave every, every three to five years and find a new home or where we travel for leisure or, or for holidays. Um, this was a massive upheaval for these believers. N.T. Wright says this in his, one of his commentaries. He says... Um, travelling in obedience to God's call is one of Luke's central pictures for what it means to be Christian. Following Jesus is what it's all about. The first thing he makes clear about following Jesus is that it's not easy. The disciples have to learn that God's kingdom may be going forward through people they don't know who aren't part of their group. Things are not always straightforward. You know, we need to know that God's kingdom might move forward through people we don't yet know, through people who aren't yet part of our group. Uh, we've had some new neighbours move in next door. And so for a few weeks now, we've been like, okay, we're going to have to front up and meet those new neighbours. You know, we're the Christians, we're the friendly ones, aren't we? So it's kind of our job to, to do that. And, uh, you know, having been sick and things, it's taken us a little while to get there. But but we finally you know, took that step yesterday to go and get to know someone we don't know, people we are unfamiliar with. Um, it's, it's part of what it means to be a, a believer, I believe, being able to reach out to unfamiliar people, unfamiliar cultures, uh, because God desires to see all people, all nations, all tribes, all tongues come to him. And so we need to know it's not just about the, the, the group we have here now. Um, don't underestimate the cost of being a follower of Jesus. If you are a follower, you might have to follow him into some unexpected and unanticipated places with people you don't know, with people you wouldn't normally choose to befriend, with people who you think are, quite frankly, a little bit strange. No one here fits that bill. Are you willing to be scattered in the Coolum and Shire? Are you willing to be scattered out into the villages, <laughs> into groups, into cultures of people that you're not familiar with yet? Are you willing to invite people into your home, into your weekly schedule, into your lives? Will you make time for others? I think this is a big challenge for us. Uh, a number of weeks ago, we had our mission all planning meeting, didn't we? Wasn't that a great time together? Hey, I loved it. Getting together and, and just um, hearing and discerning together what God's um, strategic direction for us as a church is. What's God saying to us? You know, what's he saying to us as individuals and as a church? How is it that God wants to plant us in this place. And what I want to say to you today is we're going to have that follow-up meeting and 
keep an eye out, I'm going to send through a date. But, but at that meeting, we're going to discern some, some specific projects that God has for us, some very specific ways that, that we can be planted into this community together as CRC Kulinen. So I encourage you, get on board with, uh, with those projects. Get on board with that mission. You know, what's scary to do on your own is so much easier to do when you're part of a team, isn't it? And so please keep an eye out for that date. I'll liaise uh, with a few people about that date and uh, just encourage you to, to make time for that in, in, your, in your calendar. All right, so are we willing to be planted in unfamiliar places? Are we willing to keep faithfully sowing ourselves the word of God in the midst of our daily struggles? When we hit those unexpected seasons of trouble, can we consider it an opportunity to be scattered and sown? And, and can we remember at all times that what the enemy means for harm, God can, will and does use for good? Let's pray. Uh, Lord, we, we just thank you for your word to us that strengthens us and that nourishes us. And so, Lord, we just pray that your word would indeed be uh, fruitful in our life as we take, take on the, the, the truth, as we take on um, just some of the, uh, the instruction and the challenge to us. I just pray that this word today would really grow in our hearts, that it would really uh, start to take root in our lives and that it would start to uh, bear fruit in our lives. Lord, I just pray that there would be opportunities for us both as individuals and as a church to be scattered and sown into the Coolerman Shire, into the lives, into the workplaces, into the families, into the sporting groups, into, into all sorts of places. Lord, would we be scattered and sown? Would we be planted? And Lord, we know that you are faithful and where we are planted and where we, where we just share our lives, where we share uh, Jesus in big and small ways with people, that, um, that the, the gospel will, will grow, that your kingdom will grow and bear fruit in this place. So we thank you for that, uh, that encouragement today. In Jesus' name, amen.